0: first place, come play with me. You want second place, go somewhere else. It was better later. It was an everyday process. Coffee's for clothes is only. You're listening to the Maury Health Podcast. My guest today is... Uh the the mighty Michael Karam, Uh he's a twenty-four-year-old NRL development officer who goes around Western Sydney teaching kids how to play the wonderful game of rugby league. Um so please, uh please welcome Michael Karam. Thanks for the intro, Rob. It's a very nice of you. But yes, I've worked for the NRL, been there for five years now, so i uh, full time, so um Really working on my craft at the moment. My main role is to go around to the primary schools in the Parramatta area and teach kids how to play rugby league and get them playing our after of the school program, League Stars. So pretty much that's transitioning kids who don't play rugby league into playing rugby league and that's our main focus, getting more kids playing the greatest game of all. Cool, cool. Um, okay, I guess what got you doing that in the first place and um, give us a background about your your deep roots in rugby league and sort of what you do uh on a week-to-week basis not just at work but on a volunteer level yeah so um when i started as a casual with the nrl i was still at uni studying health and physical education and it was a good way to earn a bit of coin on the slide while I was still studying um But yeah, at the time I was approached after I was refereeing on the Carnivals. Um, I'd been refereeing for about five years prior to that. Um, Still involved with the local Parramatta Referees Association as the director of refereeing now. So that keeps me busy. So pretty much you got told that you're a terrible player, give it up, and maybe you could referee and make something of it. Yeah, pretty much at the time I was was 13 years old and my my rugby league career as a player was pretty much all dried up. There was no chance of me making any repsides, uh, so I made the decision to pick up a whistle. Uh, but, but yeah, the young age of twelve, and started refereeing when I was thirteen, and I haven't looked back since. I had a better career up until uh, recently when I got a few injuries, and that's put me into the coaching side of things now, like the coaching development of younger referees. But they have a bit of a better career than what I did. right? And I guess why? Why did you stop refereeing? What? What? What's the cause of that? Uh, so, so the main reason I stopped going out on the field and refereeing was because of my injury. I saw my hamstring three times in the space of six months, uh, look at that. So while I was refereeing junior reps. Yeah. So um, first time I saw it was November. Uh, we were playing. A game of such football, and I took a nice intercept on the goal line. I was away, no was going to catch me. Then a sniper took me out. And then on New Year's Eve, um, when I was doing my run program, I was on my last set of my run program, and it went on me again. And I thought, like, oh, here we go, this going to be a long recovery. I was just about to start the season, and it went on me. Um, and then, yeah, I was pretty much back, ready to go. Round one. And in the warm-up at training, that went on me yeah, that's when I pulled the pin and said, no, I'll keep this to my body and moved on to coaching and development with referees. And, I mean, I guess for, for the people listening, I was actually there for two of the three times that you tore your hammy and um, to see a good friend of mine go through that and have to put themselves through the, the pain and the punishment of trying to rehab themselves and coming out the other end where essentially their hopes and dreams of becoming an Aurora referee getting squashed well and truly through the floor and, and into a coffin. Um, it, it, it's, quite, it's quite hard to watch, um, quite heartbreaking to see um, a, a dream that I guess we both share or share um, just be completely demolished due to an injury and one game. Touch footy where you you did think you were Jared Haynes at the time and you could step and kick and run and do everything that you could possibly do as a halfback. But you're a halfback in a forward's body mate, so uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you just weren't necessarily conditioned the same way, or built the same way that a halfbacker or a Jared Haynes supposed to perform. Yeah, no, now it looks like a big George Rose trying to do a chip and chase down the sideline. Mean, Pretty terrible to watch, but I reckon yeah. we'd have a shot at coming back and being a player again. Actually, no, I might be a couple couple of weeks of good conditioning, and I might be fit enough to get back out on the field and take a few hit ups. Yeah. I mean, for people that come across the game of rugby league, and I, I know that we're uh, born deep in in rugby league, and um, yeah. Yeah, we we love it. We we eat, sleep, breathe rugby league. Um, your whole bloody house, we're, we're in your house now, um, it, there's just rugby league bullshit everywhere. Everywhere you look, you, you can't find a room without something that has uh, a regular league uh, NRL logo on it. Uh, New South Wales rugby league, because you're uh, you're unfortunately were raised and brainwashed into the blonde gold army. Oh, and, unfortunately. Um. Well, yeah. Um, it, it's it's hard to find good help, I guess these days. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess tell me a little bit more about your upbringing and um, what rugby league has done for you um, as a person. Well, yeah, for me, I played, I started playing rugby league when I was four or five years old. Um at the St. Gertrude Bombers around the corner from where I lived. I played from the sixes all the way up to the twelves and then in the under-twelves I moved over to the... The Mighty Marconi was where um, I realised that my playing career was was done and dusted. But in that time, I won a couple of premierships, had lots of fun, made um, a lot of very good friends, and still one friend that I stay in touch with at the moment. So I played with him at the St George Bombers, and we both went across to Marconi. And what sort of name is the Bombers? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, part of the part of the Catholic con- competition, but um yeah very very aggressive name compared to. Uh, are they still um, around anymore i haven't heard of them no so, fortunately over the last few years uh, they've followed to a lack of numbers in that area but um the dynamic of that conference competition has changed dramatically since i was playing mm-hmm. but yeah and um i guess what what caused you to, to stop playing well to stop playing when i was then I was playing under 13s at the time. I had a coach who was a win at all costs mentality and with a team that was a very amateur backyard footy kind of team. We anything, yeah, right. B grade. Yeah. I like B- we weren't anything B- flash. They wanted us in Division One and we are just getting our asses handed to us every week. Um, and yeah, I ended up with Oswald Shatler syndrome at the time. Again, another injury that made me go. You know, options Do I like keep playing or try I move into something else in rugby league and um, yeah I looked at it going hard and thought no refereeing would be better on my body mm-hmm. which it was. For those, that, for those that don't know can you explain what that condition is and how it affects you? Yeah so it's a bit of a um, more of an adolescent problem when you're, when you're a younger teenager you going through growth spurts that's where pretty simply a your bones are going too fast for your muscles, or vice versa. Um, your body isn't uh, keeping up with what your growth your spurts. And I had it in my knees, and obviously the contact we're um, getting hit on the ground on my knees, you know, in a tackle was on your knees often at that time. Yeah, year. all the time. Yeah, was just taking it right out of me, and um, yeah, I couldn't keep going. Right, right. Um, Okay, so a precarious place to be as a thirteen, fourteen-year-old and sort of left without a home in rugby league, and I guess um, that that carnival that you went to where someone said maybe you should pick up the whistle. Um, that's that's where I met you uh, when we were both what fourteen years old, yeah, 15, both 14. In, um Parramatta referees' first training session of the year in, in two thousand and ten. Um, so I guess. Unfortunately, Rob. You've you had to know me for ten years, and uh, maybe you can give your side of the story on the first what six years of our relationship, um, and, and how things went, and I'll I'll try and fill in the gaps and give you my side afterwards. Yeah, so pretty much when I met Rob, I'd spent a year training with referees without being on the field, and Rob. I'd come in and everyone was talking about Rob. He's fit, he's fast, he knows what he's talking about. He's very, very book smart. He knows the he knows the laws of the game up to front. Everyone was there's a lot of hype about Rob, and I was like, "Who's this new kid on the block?" Like, he's not going to come in first day and, and step on my shoes. So, me being me, I stepped up to the plate and we obviously built up a good rivalry over the years. And um, yeah, the first six years it was tip attack. Um I get one appointment better than you, the next week you get one appointment better than me and it just pissed us off Us, I'd say. <laughs> we got under each other's skin and we both wanted to be better than each other. And it wasn't until we made reps that we sort of realised well the year before we made reps, we realised if we both could that we can get through this together and it sort of built a good relationship. Um where well, we helped each other at training, we did our own training together. Um review each other's games, coach each other, help each other out. And I think that that bond has stuck strong even though I'm not refereeing, I still help you out and I come to you for advice and on other things and now we now we do it in our personal lives as well for advice and and if we need to be grounded, we know who to come to and and get a bit of a reality check, so it's always good. Definitely, definitely. Um I, I guess yeah, when when I rolled up to Primata referees back in 2010 and heard that some bloke had been training for a year and hadn't got on the paddock. I was like, well, okay, um, this guy must have a leg up on us. And that was back then. That's a restriction because of age and you couldn't start refereeing until you were 14 and now you're allowed to start refereeing at 13. What they get away with in the country. That's another story, but um, <laughs> essentially you were held back a years from actually going out there and doing your first game so even though we may have started at the same time frame you'd already had a year of training as a referee before that and I guess for those first six years um, just the, the way that football was structured that um, it, it was natural that everyone around you was in this sort of rivalry and we weren't really taught at the time that for us to progress, we need to work as a team because really that's what we are out there as referees. Even if in the junior levels, when that's just you out there and you've got twenty six players on the field plus the bench plus some idiot coach yelling at you telling you you're an absolute flock. More um, wins, <laughs> that sometimes. <was, laughs> yeah, um, and then you got Old Mate on the hill who um, thinks he knows everything about rugby league has got just. Bionic vision or something, and uh, can can see through people. Um, and that idiot can, can he knows where to go. Anyway, um, it has, essentially, you were ahead of me at the time, and it just it didn't right. I didn't it didn't sit right with me because I, I felt like there was some inequality there, and you thought there was an inequality back, and uh, I guess. We didn't really talk much to each other while we were at training. We just sort of, yeah, hi, nice, Sybil, and you know tried to prove it on the field that uh, we were better than the other. And until we did get through to the junior rep stage where we were refing Harold Matson and SG Paul, we didn't really see the light and, and the value that came from actually pushing the other person to be better. and that how much joy and, and pride um, I had in seeing you develop and, and vice versa, and I guess that is where we, we cemented our relationship. And to be honest, that didn't really come around until you got your very first injury, which was a calf strain followed by a groin strain in the same year. And instead of you being just ahead of me every year I managed to just get on top at the end of that year. Um, I think I did one age group ahead in the grand finals at the end. And for those people that don't know much about refereeing, I guess when you go into that sort of world, you should look at it as if you're a player on a team and um, you are that team and I guess you're competing for the spots the same way other teams are competing for their grand final spots. And the the higher ranking you get as in, the higher age group and the higher division you get, the better ranked you are and the more likely you are to progress and succeed and get better coaching and development because the further you go up, you'd like to hope that you get better coaching and development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly well. Now, you definitely get more resources, that's for sure. And I guess due to bad luck with you getting a couple of injuries, it, it enabled me to get slightly ahead of you. And I don't know if that humbled you a little bit, that sort of it, it made my ego... Settle because I didn't feel like I needed to keep proving myself. Um, we managed to take our egos off the table and um, actually realise that there's a good bloke behind it. And at that time, I realised that you are probably one of the smartest people in, in rugby league and um, I guess you would never credit yourself as someone who is smart or a genius or book smart. Uh, you might be a very outgoing person to try and make up for that. But um, in terms of someone who knows and understands rugby league, I don't think I know anyone or of anyone that understands rugby league any better than you. do. Um, the video sequences that you can pick up and that you can explain is far above and beyond anyone else that I've seen. And I think this is probably the first time you've actually heard me speak about this about you and um, might be a little bit of a surprise but yeah um, I guess I saw that value in in your understanding of the game and how a game is run and then how you, your actions as a referee can change the game in terms of bringing discipline to the game and, and getting a better quality game from it. Um, I had a lot to learn, and it was in my best interest to actually work together and work against you. Yeah, thanks so, a lot. Like I said, it's the first time. it did make me blush a little bit. haven't done that in a while, so thank you. Um, but yeah, for me, I guess my understanding of the game comes from my experience. Like I said, I've been around rugby league my whole life. When I was younger, at still at home, I was watching every single game. There was a time there when I could recite the top 17 uh, from each team, and who was playing that week? and I knew every round game, and I was an encyclopedia rugby league at, at a very young age. I um, think that sort of just stuck with me watching the, watching the game as, as a kid. For me, I had a coach, and he was the under 10s or under 11s, and he said, When you go home and watch a game of football, don't just watch it for the entertainment, watch what the players are doing, watch how the game. Is being played. There's more to it than just catch the ball, take a hit up. And for me, at the time I was playing as a hooker and hooker and front row, very different, two different positions, but that's what I was <go> to me. <laughs> <laughs> being sailed that's for me. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, I played between those two positions and I used to pick the best hooker and the best prop of the game. And I'd watch the way they play, which way they defended, where they descend, how they defended, what position they took up on the defensive line. You became a student of the game. Yeah, exactly right. I was always learning, and I thought every game was every game was a classroom to me. It wasn't entertainment, but it, it wasn't a chore. Like it was yeah. the classroom that you chose. It wasn't the classroom that you had to be. In. Exactly right. Like you said, a student of the game, always learning, and and then from my experience refereeing, I think I've done I've refereed so many games over the eight years that I was actually on the field in the school game during the week. There was six to eight games every Saturday and Sunday for about four or five years. Um, Lots of football uh, all the time, adults, juniors, you name it, all different different competitions. i pretty much refereed it. And it's given me a lot of experience. during my older adolescence, people would say that I was a very grumpy human being. And it's all I've done with. I think you just a <laughs> you? <know>. <laughs> <laughs> you got a short fuse, but, you know, who doesn't? Yeah, and I've got a very short fuse, and, and the explosion can be um, quite extensive, but um, give it a couple of seconds and go oh, ask of seconds down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, for me, that... At some at the points in a game, my, my aggression or my grumpiness would would come out just because a player didn't show the right respect to me or mm-hmm. the player did something that really under my skin because being a student of the game, I know he shouldn't have done that and there's a better way to do it. And it just ticked me off a little bit and, and um, that, came, that came out and it was, it was evident in my games and at times it had, it had ruined some of the games. I'd lose control of the game and uh, then I'd be chasing my tail to, get control back of the game and I would drop the game of football out of And I think about two years where it got really bad and then I took some time and actually dealt with my demons and and control that, that anger a bit more and it's all the demons. <laughs> yeah. We all the demons. Um, but yeah I think yeah taking that time to actually figure out what was what was ticking me off, what was what those demons were up inside you? Mm-hmm. How do you how to you get through that? What was what a, what a, what process did you go through to sort of figure that out? Because I guess most people, everyone goes through periods where they they all have demons. And, um, there's different strategies for different people, so I guess what, what did you find works for you in the end? Yeah, so for me, obviously, there's a whole lot of things happening at the time. I'm, lost three of my grandparents in the space of 18 months. At the end of that, my parents broke up. Um, so lost my grandparents. My immediate family split up. And as a consequence, my relationship fell apart as well at the time. And that all snowballed into one big ball of anger. And I went, I went through depression and, and into a really deep, dark hole. Um, seen some counsellors, psychiatrists, psychologists, and got myself out of it. Um through exercise, through practicing mindfulness and gratitude I found it was a big, big thing for me. Um, waking up every morning knowing what we you were grateful for, going to bed, um, being grateful for you had during the day, that was huge for me. Was it was it hard for you to go get that professional help? To go and seek that out because I think, like, if I was in your position, um, you know, a, a young man 18 years of age, pretty much your whole world's falling apart around you, and how you went to keep it together. I think one of the last things that I would think of was going to go talk to someone. But, um, uh, did, did you find that beneficial? Yes, yeah, so it's definitely, definitely beneficial, and I, um, I praise anyone that's going through some tough times. They do reach out to, to a friend, to a family member or to um, a mental health specialist. Um, it is a huge decision and it's um, a bit of a slap in the face, you could say, because an 18-year-old thinks he's invincible, is um, admitting that he needs help, which is something us 18-year-old blokes don't really want to do. but. Um, I was at a point where um, it did take me a while to come to that conclusion that I did need help and I think fighting that battle as well was 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 one of the harder battles fighting, admitting to myself that there's an issue and I needed help but I did, I got the help and, and I'm better for it now. I think now I look back and I've learned a lot from that 18, 24-month period of my life um, I think that's when we started to develop a, a real friendship at the same time. So I saw you probably more towards the back end of that, yeah, of um, becoming a friend and uh, seeing you work that out at such a young age. It, it opened my eyes up, you know, because I was well, I was also eighteen um, at the same time, and, and being a young fellow going, well, look at this bloke who's pretty much had his his whole life stripped away um picking himself back up and, and get back out there and do what he wants to do and do what he has to do. Um not just for himself but for his family and um, for his for his future, essentially, and his community, which the, the people around him. Um he you really you showed me the maturity that you have and um, essentially the sacrifices and, and the big the big things that you, you have to sort of go through to come out to be a better product of a person in the end of the day. Um, so I, I found it quite admirable. But would you say that, regular League and, and I guess more to the extent refereeing, since you said, would you think that was there anything that you got out of refereeing uh, that helped you get through that period as well? Yeah, 100%. So obviously, Refereeing builds your resilience, week in, week out, knowing how to cop. Shut up. How to cop, out, <laughs> how to cop um, criticism from the sideline, line. Um, other people telling you you're not good enough. That, that sort of resilience i built up um, every weekend through the years of refereeing rugby league. But in reality, the biggest critic is yourself. Yes, 100%. They, that, that, and that's why, to me, it never got to me because... I was always harsher on myself than what I mean, they would say to me. most of the time I'd agree with with the comments that were coming over the sideline and <laughs> they'd call me a, a fuckwit or whatever and I'd agree with them. I'd say, Yes, have you know me? It's, um, that was pretty much my comment um, that I made to most people that um threw verbal abuse over the sideline, I'd say, Oh, you're right. And you just laugh yeah. away and move Give them a nod, give them yeah. a wink and show 'em it didn't affect me. It's um, like I said, I, I most probably had the same opinion of myself at the time as well. Um, but yeah, building that resilience um, through refereeing, I think, helped me know that I'd get through that 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 time in my life. And I think refereeing gave me a good goal to to aim for. So through that whole time, I still um, I refocused myself back on my rugby league and back on my refereeing and wanting to get to the next spot. I was at a point in that sort of... uh, In in my perspective, I guess, you going through that period, I believe, was the one thing that was consistent that brought you some pride and joy and some just normality. Yeah, exactly right. It was was there the whole time. It was there before. It was there during. It was there after. And and I was getting some small wins and successes on and off the field in the refereeing world um, at the time, which kept me kept me going. It, it was the light at the end of the tunnel and pretty much coming out the back end of of my depression, I ended up making the junior rep squad, which was my end goal at the time. It was my that was the long term goal I set for myself when I started refereeing and, and that was that was the first step to to getting there. And um, that success I guess um, and then building our friendship off the back of that was Really, the light at the end of the tunnel that 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 got me there. It it kept me, it kept me here. It kept me grounded, and um, (laughs) and made sure that I'm here today to share my experiences with others and and help them out on on and off the field. It's um, it's shown me how good the game rugby league can be, and the good people that are in the game. Yeah, Um, I I guess I've got a, a similar experience with starting a refereeing and, and what it can do for you in terms of being a, being a young fella coming in at what, the age of 14, sort of a bit like everyone, not really knowing what you want to do with yourself and uh, this carrot it's angled in front of you going, well, look, if you're good enough and you, you dedicate yourself to this, then you could potentially be on the NRL because at that point in my time, similar to you, a few injuries, um, helped me guide my decision as to am I going to commit 100% to to refereeing or am I also going to play as well because when I first started I was doing both and I had the option laid out in front of me and I chose to stick to refereeing. Um, At the time it helped me because I joined with with another mate of mine that I was playing footy with and we were probably the smaller fellows on the team and... Week in, week out, we'll keep getting crunched by the big boys, the big fathers that are out in Western Sydney. Um, credit to them, they they put their body on the line, but Jesus Christ, they absolutely kill the little guys. Um, and I was sick of getting knocked, uh, being knocked out once many times. Um, knocked on my ass, and, and just like, yeah, okay, I've had enough of this. And I guess you don't really feel that until you get to those sort of older teenage years. When you're younger, you sort of just everyone's about the same calibre, but then as bodies grow, um, it's all a bit different. And then coming into refereeing, uh, I think instantly having to control the field, it, it taught me how to control the room because the football field was your classroom and um, if you could control the football field, you could control the room. And you, It taught you how to, how to talk to people, how to get their attention, how to get people on side with what you want them to do. Um, how to deliver that message effectively, how to, um, it gave you, I guess, a structure where you can develop not only as a referee, but also as a person, maturity-wise, and all these other skills that you don't necessarily consider when when you think about sport, and um, I, I guess, as a player, you get a little bit of that, especially if you become a captain, but when you become a referee, it really it forces you to accelerate that process of maturity. And so when I was 15, I found myself with all my mates at school that um, they were just talking about different things. They were talking about playing games and doing dumb shit on, on the weekend. And I was like, well, I'm going to go make some money, uh, refereeing some footy, doing, doing what I love, and potentially I'm going to make it on TV. So... Um, That that carrot was big enough uh, for me to sort of put the binders on and set a focus on that course and and commit myself to this. Uh, And we'll we'll see if I actually end up there with that. Well, with the hard work and the dedication you do put in, I haven't seen a person as dedicated and as committed to the goal as you. the stuff you do even off the field with uni, with work, with with rugby league. Your schedules are packed. It mm-hmm. means that I don't see you every week. I don't see you every month sometimes. But <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. Really, um, yeah, exactly right. It's you're busy. You're on the go. You don't stop, and that's a testament to your character. Now, again, how resilient you are. Um, you've got to drive, and like you said, that that has been it in front of you, and you're going to get there. You yeah, that same drive. Yeah, I, I guess I sort of I've designed my life in, in a way at the moment where I'm trying to maximise the time that I have and, and knowing that you know the time that we do have is finite but we've, we've got a long time to go. And If I put in the hard work now, hopefully that I can enjoy and reap the benefits later. And um, I've completely designed what I do now. I do things to, well, because of what happened on a regular issue, um, having broken my, my arm and my leg, playing footy and then coming back to it and going, okay, well, I had a really good experience with physiotherapy um, and I really enjoyed that process. And I guess that's why I'm studying it now and then going on to do exercise physiology and hopefully i get through this degree in the next year or so depending on what's going on in the world. Hopefully that doesn't delay anything. But, um, yeah, it's it's quite interesting to see how and one moment in, in my life at the age of 13 has changed my trajectory and really pushed me in one direction, going um, really deep into sports science and optimum performance and then talking about treating medical conditions on a full-time basis and then how could I combine that with my ability to rep around the weekend? How, does, how, does what I, how can I take what I've learned in the classroom from a university degree to implement that and, and optimize my performance as a as a regular league wrestler, and then how can I help other people do the same thing in their own respective sport or their own areas of life in you know, whatever affects them? So um, yeah, it's it's really quite interesting to see what different people get out of their involvement with regular league, and I guess the the extension that goes on from there because. Now we both sit on the executive of Parramatta referees and we've gone on different roles in that, in that position and, and this year, 2020, you've taken on the director of refereeing position, which for those listening, that means you're the one who has the final say on two referees, what game in Parramatta. Right, you, you're in charge of developing new referees and old referees in becoming better referees and better people. You, yep. You're essentially the guy in charge of on-field skill and development. Yes, we've got um, NRO referee, Ziggy uh, as our trainer, um, but ultimately it's up to you to determine the the outcome of how good our cohort is in, in the Um So I I guess what what's what's your role there and, and how do you see that you could bring some benefit to the, the people around you? Yeah, so essentially my role as as the director, um the, there's two panels that I work closely with, the junior panel and the senior panel. Um, and they on those both of those panels we have got Kirby's amounts of experience from NRO level all the way down to park level. There's numbers of those panels and referee state of origin, on touchlines in state of origin matches, grand final, grand finals, um, Super League you they've done they've done it. And I'm forever grateful for their help. That I've learned off them and I can continue to learn off those members as well. Um, just because I'm the face of those of those panels doesn't mean either of those any of those members on that panel have less of a say. Um, they uh, they help me a lot in in developing our referees we go out every weekend coaching referees week to week uh, picking up trends on a weekly basis we we'll come together have a fun conversation on what they've picked up from certain games and if there's if I notice a trend between all of our referees that's why I work closely with Ziggy our our schools and coordinator um, can you say his name properly. Speed near President of Class Rudensky, and you absolutely right. <laughs> I think I made a middle of that one. But yeah, so Ziggy and I work closely during the week to uh, formulate what training will look like on a Tuesday night. So, generally, what our conditioning will be it's going to be lots of conditioning or what is up conditioning because we're noticing the referee's been a bit fatigued or, or they've done a lot of work over the weekend. Um, and then we go into like 40 minutes of Forty to sixty minutes worth of skills and drills you know, where if I notice there's a trend of scrums looking terrible, we work on those or our in-goal position needs a bit of tinkering with, we're always um, looking at helping our younger referees. Um, but yeah, for me the development part is very big. The, co- the coaching part is there, it'll always been there, but the development part I don't want referees to become stale or or unhappy in what they're doing. I always want to see others develop their skills we're all there to have fun to enjoy what we're doing and, and we're not going to do that if we're doing the same age we like yeah. I think that's a big factor actually the fact that most referees enjoy what they're doing like from an outsider's perspective a lot of people go well how could you do such a job you know you're getting abused all the time um, Yeah, you're under so much pressure and you're running around getting flogged and you're underpaid. and what would you all rebuttal to that be? Well, yeah, we don't we don't do it because we're getting paid, and when we're out there, we don't hear the crowd as much as people think you do. You're so focused on a job, you're so focused on on your reason why you're out there that it just becomes white noise. Um, obviously, there'll be times where where you do hear where um, comments come over the line, you do hear them, but when we're out there, we're having fun it's like We uh, we're facilitating the game of rugby league, that's, that's what i like to say, we're facilitating the game, we're not trying to control the game, we're not trying to take the game away from the players, we're trying to facilitate the players enjoying their game of rugby league and seeing the kids' enjoyment, because that's the only game of rugby league I'll play all week, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll only play one game a week and that's, and that's it, yeah, we might eight, 10, ten, twelve games a weekend, but for that one kid, He's only playing that one game. He needs the best experience possible on the field, and and the way I look at it is definitely better his his experience on the field as a referee. And I, I guess as a young fella who's you know 14, 15, 16. It might be in a similar position to us at the moment. Who you know has gone through an injury. And they're not really sure uh, if they can stay in the game or what they're going to do. How would you? What would? What would the process be for someone who wants to become a referee, or is considering it and wants to give it a try? Yeah, so um, if you're interested in becoming a referee, I'd say take it up, take it, pick up the whistle, give it a try. Um, we yes. give it, what, what's the actual process like? Uh, what would they have to do um, in order to get onto the field with the whistle and you know the, the great pink uniform, depending on where you are? So the process at the moment, there's. Foundation Run Referee Courses that are being run by New South Wales Regulier League, and you can find them on Um There's a website there. You can click on Referee and become a new referee, and, and there's a whole list of courses that you can sign up to. And it's a four-hour course. You sit in the classroom, and, and there's some ex other referees or current other referees as well that are providing um, that, that course. And then from there, you come and join an association. We'd love to have you over at Parramatta. Um, join the association, become a member, and you come to training. We we'll teach you the basics of regular league. And then, of course, way you're going to learn the skills by being out there and actually doing it. And when we get you out there, there's always um, what we call a buddy system. This is what we do at Parramatta. This doesn't necessarily happen everywhere, right? Yeah, so at Parramatta, this is what we've implemented for new referees and. I think other associations do have a similar model. Um, they've copied us. <laughs> yeah, so they've got a similar model and, and we've got um, what we call a buddy system. There's the, the new referee will go out there with the coach and a buddy. And the buddy is someone who's generally a referee who's been around for five, six, seven years. A referee who's in Junior reps who's in the emerging Talent Squad. Who's in the What's AMG the emerging group? Talent Squad? Hold up. What's that? So the emerging Talent Squad is... A step before junior reps, junior reps refereeing SD ball. Howard Matthews, Tasha Gale. And how do you get to junior reps? How you get to that stage. So to get to that stage, you need to go through the emerging talent squads. That's where associations identify younger kids who are under the age of 18. So you have the 16, 17-year-olds who are on the brink of, of making it in, to the junior rep squad, who, who are keen, who are interested in refereeing a higher age group at a more competitive level. We nominate them into the emerging talent squad where New South Wales Ranked League provide them with um, a more in depth training regime on the field, like physically conditioning fitness, and also um, in the classroom or theoretical based learning the laws in a deeper level and gaining that that education and understanding. So, when you go out into the junior rep squad, you're not throwing them to the deep end. And you've, you've already got your skills there, you, know, you work on them in the junior rep squad. So, what would be the difference between being a, a new referee and being a, a junior rep referee? What would uh, a week in rugby um, league involve? So, as a new referee, pretty much you start off in under sixes and sevens, you come to training on Tuesday night, you get your appointments that evening, you go home, um, wake up Saturday morning, and you're off to one of the local grounds. and referee in a six or seven on the great age group with two or three new other new referees and with your buddy there and you you spend pretty much the first four to five weeks of your career with of the year with um, with a buddy, with a coach. And once we say you're once we believe you're good enough to to do it on your own, that's when you when you get that um buddy stands on the sideline and watches you and coaches you rather buddies you. And um, can you progress to the NPUs that way? Whereas a junior rep, they go to training on a Tuesday night. They get their appointments for that weekend in the junior reps before they get to our referee training. And then once they finish referee training, they go home, they wake up Wednesday morning, go to work, go to uni, whatever. And then Wednesday evening, they're a junior rep training. Um, I don't know that's changed this year. Um, they've been training on Tuesdays and now so um, junior reps will train on Tuesdays, um, and then come the weekend they'll referee a game or two in the junior rep level, and then whatever day they're not refereeing at junior reps, they'll come and help out at Parramatta refereeing one or two games at Parramatta, so they're very busy. And after refereeing their games, of course they go home and do a video review, and and they're constantly. That's because the they're constantly comms gear on, so when you're and at the local level, generally uh, when you're doing the other guys, you're only there by yourself you don't need that communications gear uh, but when you go into the higher levels of, of Parramatta, we have got comms gear but then also a junior reps it's made a true for them to have these really good quality comms gear that uh, you can talk to your touch judge and they can talk to you it's an open mic system for the, the centre referee, your coach on the sideline can also gear as a referee coach and then you've got a recording going to the video camera. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly right. So that allows the referee to review their game at a complete level, make sure that their cons are correct, their timings, what they're saying um, is correct. It's it's targeted. There's there's a reason for what they're saying. They're not just making a white noise, which is a big thing at the moment, making sure referees are being specific and targeted in Mm -hmm. in their approach to their vocab rather than just saying lots of words that mean nothing. You go through every set and you check your decisions on every set. Yeah, countries. exactly right. And you review your decision, make sure that you're… Every tackle. Yeah, yeah no, exactly right. You go through the tackle, the decision. If you've missed something, you pass, it down. why yeah. you've missed it, what could you do to make sure you don't miss it next time? And, and that, that's a big thing. Your review isn't just to, to go out and bomb yourself. It's to make sure that you're better for next time. So you pick up, I was one or two spots too close to… Big trends, yeah. And then, as you get better over time, you you pick it up smaller and smaller things. Yeah, exactly right. And it could be small things like timing, or or one word that you're saying that you didn't realise it's triggering a different response than what you want from the player. And and over time, throughout your junior rep career, you pick up, you you work on your craft, and you you make the perfect model, and you keep getting better from there. Mm. I guess what was uh, what was the highlight in your refereeing career when you were refereeing, um, considering it got cut short, the, the, not, doesn't necessarily have to be some of the highest highs, but uh, things that you really enjoyed. You can pick one or two. I guess for me, my first game in Junior X um, at Maury Green Oval up in the Central Coast, that was that was huge for me, considering. Where I'd come from to get there, um, like we mentioned earlier, the demons that I battled to, to get there and, and, and reaching my form and goal that that was that was big for me. That was a good big moment. It was a positive moment. Um, sort of put the queue in the rack there. 2016, yeah, 2016, and, yeah. So 2016, around one of the junior reps. Um, I was only on the touchline, but I you think know, I ran the more and and having us touch on on the same day and two, two big games and it was a big difference from park football. And I noticed straight away, yeah, we had three trials in the junior at level, but going out there in round one is huge different from I would argue some of the best footy that you ever get to experience would be SG ball football, as in the speed and the quality of players. Um, when you get to NRL level, there's a lot more wrestling strategy and tactics, and so it's not as pure... Um, talent that you, you actually get to experience than what you get to see uh SG ball which is under eighteen rep footy and I would say that that's some of the best footy that you could ever experience. Uh I yeah. definitely echo those comments underrated SG ball football is is like you said pure. It is it's rugby the league, it's what it should look like. It's mm-hmm. fun, it's exciting, it's it's hard hitting, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean you've also had some really good experiences with things like twelve nationals and um, curry knockout and some special events. Did, did you want to touch on them as, as highlights the book? Yes, in 2012, I uh, made the Australian School Boys Under 12s
1: um,
0: championship team. And what do you have to do to qualify for that? So for that, our association nominated three referees, uh, you being one of them, and we went down to Liverpool Catholic Club and refereed the, the state-based championships. Um, and from there, the New South Wales coaches watched us and, and they assessed us and ranked us, essentially ranked us from the state. And was um, representatives from all over the state, Kamala, Penrith, Parramatta, Canterbury, all over New South Wales. And, um, I was ranked in the top two from the state and we were selected to go. Rumor has it, um, they, they didn't want us to send two Parramatta rifts. So, they picked you and someone else. So I just missed the up. Yeah, rumor has it. I don't know how true <laughs> the rumors are. But, <laughs> but no, he, um, obviously, again, a bit of a rivalry that we had back then. And, and for me, it was, that was um, another that was notch in the belt. I yeah. was feeling with you. There was another notch in the belt for me where I got the phone call and they said, Nick, congratulations. You've, you've beat Rob again. You're going up to Mackay. And, and that's where it all got serious for me. Um, Going up to the fights, first time I'd worn Robert gear. first time our games were properly video recorded, and the first time we actually sat down and we run through how to debrief a game. Uh, We did it as a team. It wasn't as um, complex as what they are at the junior level, but the six match officials that were up there to referee the games. We sat together as a team and went through specific parts of the game because coaches just marked down and, and we reviewed it as a team. And that was, that was a very eye-opening experience for me. And so we spent five days up in, so we spent six days up in Mackay, five days refereeing. Full expense to get out Yeah, exactly right. It was, it was a free trip up to McCoy. There was a day where we got to go out and see the sugar cane fields and, and experience lovely life up in Mackay. Um, the other days it was up early, get to the field, do a warm-up as a group, get your appointments for the day, refereeing one games and two touch lines. That was, that was what the round games looked like. And you'd come home and get into the pool, do the recovery session and and then do your video review. And by that time it was eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock and you're ready for bed. So it was long days, but the experience that I got out, of the friendships that I got out of that as well, there's two... Three referees from um, one from Queensland, one from Illawarra, one from he was out of uh, Western New South Wales. I wouldn't have crossed paths with him until um, that that competition. That was, um, and we're still friends to this day. We see each other, we stop, have a chat, or talk to each other on Facebook. It's a really really good experience. One of my favourites, one of my I remember for a long time. And um yeah, Curry really out. that was a good experience. I think I was twenty sixteen as well. Um, uh, the, the long weekend refereeing Adam Dubai, that was that was some very different rugby like league. That was some <laughs> stories about that. It was some very different uh, it was a cool experience because I got to referee indigenous players that were playing in the N. R L like, Tom Beachy, Baylani Latu. Uh, James Roberts, on your name, a- a- that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> the other guys that were playing there, along with the amateur rugby league players, but that whole competition is based around G.I. Did He was there and didn't play. Yeah. Uh, George Rose, the feeder was there. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of big names mm-hmm. there. I didn't know if we were all think I don't know if we to them, But when Tyrone Peachy took off, there was no chance in hell that I was catching him. He took an intercept on the... On his twenty and he was away. I think he got to the trial line and I was still chasing at the forty, so he got speed to be the burn it. But um that was a great experience, a big cultural shock. If I say. Mm, if yeah, without really, yeah. respect. I managed to go to carry knockout last year and I found um it's it's a competition like you really open your eyes up to the community and, and how strong the community is in um, the, the Indigenous um, Rugby League community and, and what they do when they come together some of the, the great stuff that they can provide, um, not just in terms of Rugby League but when they pull um, all their resources together, what they can do for themselves as, as a good group and um, trying to pull themselves up and show the talent and the skills that they can um, foster. Well, Yeah, that's, that's a good point. You, the Indigenous players, they, they cock a lot of a lot of flack, but they provide some of the most exciting and most powerful rugby league you've ever seen. And that competition was, like I said, a real eye-opener to how you mentioned how the Indigenous community comes together, a big family, it doesn't matter what mob they come from, they're all one mob. They might be separate mobs from different areas, but... When they're together, they're together. They're, they're a big packed and and it's refreshing. It, it's good to see. It, it's it's a big cultural shock. It's different to what we have, being fellas, as they'd say. Um, but yeah, the Kiwi knockout is definitely. It's definitely that. It's it's an exposition of of rugby league. It's it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you're talking about some highlights, and one of the things that. I don't think I'll ever forget, and I find it's quite common with other referees that, that I talk to, is that they'll never forget the very first game they're and where it is, sometimes even the players that they have. Um, for me, I was down at Cabramatta Leagues Club um, and I had uh, good mate of ours, Jason Adira. He was my coach. And what I find was, was quite a funny, he was the guy put me through my course. He was the guy who coached me on my very first game. And then when it came around six years later for me to join the junior rep competition, we ran in our very first appointment together um, down at, is it Kirkham? Kirkham Mobile? Yep. In Group 6 district? Yep. Uh, Which is just south of Camden area. And, um, yeah, I think it was really nice to have that full circle where my very first game um, ended up. The coach on that first game was someone who I ran my very first junior rep touch one with that was really cool. Um, so those those community and the, the relationships that you build throughout um, your time, I think those sorts of relationships like ours, yeah, you form some really strong bonds with some really good people, and you're going to carry them throughout your throughout your life for sure. Yeah, no denying that. Over the years of refereeing, I met some. Some fantastic people, some great people. I've met some terrible people. Oh, you are not know, um, But <laughs> but the great people outweigh it, and and there's a handful of people that I know that in my darkest times, if shit got real, or shit hit the fan, that they'd stand up for me. They'd be there supporting me, and yes. and, that, and that's that's a big thing, I think. And um, there's a lot of good people in our game, and it's it's what really why I've stuck in rugby league for so long was why, why I haven't turned my back on it after all the bad headlines it's received. It's because it's more than more than those headlines. It's it's the friendships. It's it's the family you make. So yeah, um, yeah that's what rugby league has done for me. Yeah, well, yeah, no, that's that's pretty special. And I feel like. Um, What's your take on on all the evidence and, and I guess stuff and stories that is coming out with um, injuries and, and sport? And um, if you were a parent, what sport would you put your child in? Well, as a parent, obviously I'll be listening to what – So for those that don't know, you've got a, a one-year-old boy, um, beautiful little boy called Mason, and I know that he won't have a choice in playing anything other than rugby league. But um, for, for those that uh, do have a choice, uh, what what would you say in terms of potential fears for parents with rugby league and, and uh, their sporting options? Yes, yeah, so, yes, I do have a, a young son, and and I would love for him to be playing rugby league, but that's not what he wants to do, and something else makes him happy, then so be it. But he'll definitely be a paramedic supporter. There's no denying that. If not, we'll be he'll be out on the streets wanting somewhere else to live. <laughs> but. Um, I definitely, if your kid is looking for a sport, I definitely give rugby league a go because there is no better game, in my opinion. It is um, very biased opinion, but I respect the opinion. There, there was an article that came out two years ago now, and it was a bit of a research into uh, concussion, head knocks, and and the prevalence in the sports, and that that there was a list of sports and. And Rugby League did not top that list, no, which, didn't. Um, no, didn't. They, they, um, they were a little bit lower than number one, which was good to see. It shows the precautions that we take in the game and, and how the game is designed to keep our kids safe. There's a specific set of rules. I mean, I was quite surprised. I, I know the report you're referring to. And uh, one of the sports that, that popped up which really threw me was for soccer getting subconcussive. Trauma Word. from primarily from doing headers and um, getting head knocks in the air, but um, yeah, I was actually very surprised by that report and what came out of it. I think NFL was one of the worst, and um, yeah, boxing if you you weren't good at dodging the hits, you were gonna you are gonna cop a fair bit of head trauma. But um, apart from the obvious, yeah, I was I was quite surprised, and um, it's reassuring. Um, I'm not a parent, but I guess if I was in your shoes to say, look, I know that my kid's playing a game where he can develop first and foremost as a person and then as an athlete. Um, it, it's quite comforting to know that he's going to be in a quite safe position. As long as you guys, you, you teach him the right techniques and for someone in your role that you do for work, um, I, I guess you're in the best position to uh, mould him to be uh, very good athlete in in rugby league skills. Yeah, no, exactly right. And like you said, it does come down to technique and, and the game is working very hard at continually um making the game safer for younger kids, the kids who are starting to play the game. It's it's always developing. There's different ways of starting. You can play touch for rule, you can play lead tag and, and develop your catch and pass, your grip carry and all those skills, your evasion skills first before then adding in the tackle. That's that's a big big step, big skill to, to work on properly. Um, but yeah, no, the game's always always working to make it make it safe for the kids. And, and I think for me the technique is is massive part in that. Uh, you need to have the correct tackling technique and if you don't that's where injuries are gonna happen. It's just like picking up a, a squat bar and if you don't have the correct technique that's how you're gonna hurt yourself and it's the same with the tackle. So that's the one I'll you? yeah no, I, I guess that's, that's pretty well put um, yeah no, good, good idea um, oh, there was, there was something else I was going to say in terms of getting kids into regular league um, but I, I guess I'll digress and, and let's, let's talk about the, the big thing at the moment is the coronavirus situation and what's going on in Australia um, I guess we are all stuck in an isolated position and you can only go out to, to do certain things one person in a in a household and I guess that's how I managed to get here today um, from being outside of the household. Still trying to follow the rules but uh, trying to get exercise sessions in. I know motivation's down because you don't really know what you're playing for but um, I heard today that there's something called Operation Opal or something of the like and it's the big weeks of the NRL Coming together to make a decision on if they can find a way to play our great game of rugby league um, in these uncertain times. Do you do you have anything? Do you have any insider knowledge? I guess in your position that you could share with, with the public and, and what's going on there. I wish I did have some insider knowledge because just like everyone else, I will the NRL will be back on TV. You know, something to watch on a Friday night. But as far as I'm aware, Project Apollo, or Project Bubble, whatever they want to call it, uh, Apollo. Right. Yeah. All right. It was being led by Wayne Pearce, the ARL Commissioner, uh, by Trent Robinson, the head coach from Roosters, the CEO from the Raiders, so the two, um, most recent grand finalists, um, are represented on that panel, as well as, um, the Landys, the Landys, Amersley. um, and uh, Peter Abdus on the NRL. So there's there's quite a bit of representation on that. I believe it's a seven person um committee and they're working out different scenarios and how the game can restart. And as far as I know from what media are speculating, it's looking at restarting sometime in May, which is exciting. So obviously they just need to get the sign off from different governments. There's obviously the um, the hurdle of getting the New Zealand Warriors back home to Australia and isolating them for 14 days before they can. Um, they're in a very good position at the moment. I mean, they've only had a few more reports, one death from where we are, and had no new cases in the last week or so. Um, so they're, they're going pretty good. But um, I heard the New South Wales government, they're going you know, to give the green lights to go ahead um, to, to help take the restrictions off so they actually can't get a competition going and it was it was mentioned in the media from what I heard is that if there's one game that can bring hope back to the Australian people it's it's that we get the game of rugby league back on TV. 100% I could have said it better. It's, it just gives the people some social outlet first and foremost and, and it just shows that the situation is decreasing in severity and and there's, there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Players are back out there playing the game they love and know, getting paid to do. And um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely provides some hope and some good fortune. Yeah, I mean, we know that this, this COVID um, virus has, has hit everyone pretty hard. And so I don't think anyone has been able to avoid a hit from this. You uh, of all people uh, being an NRL employee having to be forced to take leave and and sort of, with no work at the moment, abortionless at home, trying to figure out what you're going to do with yourself making football presentations. Um, I I guess you of all people can empathise with those out there that have lost their jobs completely, um, that are doing this job-seeking and employment opportunities that are out there and trying to do things. Um, I just... I just empathise, I guess, with everyone out there and give everyone our best wishes that, um, you know, we as Australian people are going to get through it. and As a global community, uh, we're going to get through this. um, Yeah, it's tough times at the moment and I guess we've just got to try and control what we can control, which is doing our our part in all this and staying home as much as possible, um, only going out for essential things, exercise and whatnot. Um, okay. I think it was kind of funny. We were actually going for a run the other day in a local park, which um, we thought was was appropriate and all okay and above board, only to find out that um, sporting fields were closed you know, yeah. in in Australia and, what, and whatnot. Um, one of the locals called crime stoppers on us. Cops came down and moved us on from from running on the field. So, yeah, it's strange times to say the least. And um, for all those going through tough time, times at the moment, just know that it's going to come to an end at some point. And uh, you need to try and keep focused on what you can control your, your health and um, your well being at the moment. Do you have anything that you'd want to add to that? Yeah, I think you put it very well. It's been very uncertain times at the moment. And I do empathize with people who've lost their jobs. I'm, I'm thankful at the moment that I'm still getting paid and I can. Keep a roof over my family's head and provide food and, and everything else. But, you know, that could, that could change in a couple of weeks' time. So I certainly um, so understand the stress and anxiety that comes with the current situation. But again, stick together, do the right thing. There is light at the end of the tunnel and we'll get through it and come out the other side bigger, better, and stronger. Yeah. Um, no, well, well said. Um, thanks for, for coming on. Uh to me Podcast. So what well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks I for me. I enjoy enjoy it. It. Um I hope the people that are listening got something out of it. So yeah, um, I'm sure I'll have you on in the future and uh, take care. Look forward to it. See, See you later. Well. Thanks.